Yes, so I am Hector, co-founder of Unplugged. Uh, Unplugged, we do digital detoxes at mm -hmm. off-grid cabins in the countryside. A friend of mine just, just saw I was a bit out of sorts and recommended this silent retreat in the Himalayas at this Buddhist temple on top of a mountain. Because the key is that in our daily lives, like most people are picking their phone up the first thing in the morning. Straight away. And then it's there all day, really. When you check your phone, it takes 15 minutes to like regain your attention. And so what that means is we're just living in this like constant state of distraction and overstimulation, and we've normalized it. Most people spend zero time just sitting and thinking and walking and thinking. Even having a phone switched off on the table next to us, we're actually less intelligent if our phones are there. Not only that, but it also reduces the empathy between two people. So if we had a phone on this table, and that is switched off, so you can imagine, you know, if it's buzzing Face notifications up. or you're responding to something, you know, like how often you're in conversation and either we or the person we're talking to is, oh, I just need to check this thing. And, you know, it's so rude. And uh, yeah, and the, the, the quality of conversation just instantly goes. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Millennial Mind. And I have one really quick favor to ask from all of you. If you haven't already, wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, if you could press the follow and subscribe button, it would really mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting me on this journey here. Let's get into it because I cannot wait for you to see my new studio and my incredible guest today. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Hector. Giovanni. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I feel that I wish we started recording earlier because we've been <laughs> speaking for so long and you've already told me so many amazing things. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of your work. But for people who don't know who you are, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yes, yeah, so I am Hector, co-founder of Unplugged. And as you know, uh, you came to stay recently, but at Unplugged, we do digital detoxes at mm -hmm. off-grid cabins in the countryside. So we launched three years ago today. It's our birthday. Happy anniversary. And oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and this is your 100th podcast episode. We think. We think it might be. It might we're not sure. <laughs> we're, we're, let's say it is our, my 100th episode. If it's not, then yeah. it's still a 100th episode well, so congratulations <laughs> thank you but so we yeah we, we currently have uh, 20 cabins across the uk and yeah growing growing fast you tell me about your tell me about your journey growing up because you know digital detoxing has become really popular recently 
it's very difficult for a lot of people to understand the benefits of it. But before we kind of get into that, tell me why you kind of founded Unplugged, the idea behind it, and why you think, you know, it's such a pivotal moment that we need to be doing digital detoxing in our lives. For sure. I guess to go right back, I grew up in a little village in the Cotswolds. Yeah, very fancy. Had that, yeah, quite a fancy (laughs) village now. I wasn't so fancy back then, but... uh, and yeah, so, so just live the kind of, uh, I guess, quieter life out there. Then obviously, you know, went to university, moved down to London. And I think that period of my life, really from kind of 15 to 25, was like drinking a lot, going out a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think just, just very kind of busy. And in hindsight, I really, I think I wasn't like kind of happy in myself back then. Like, I guess that it, tricky, tricky kind of age anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so really just didn't feel didn't feel like I was living life on my terms. What do you mean by that? Because that's quite a deep reflection to have. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so, I mean, I've done some therapy about this. So I can mm. I can give you the full uh, goss. But <laughs> basically, yeah, basically, I think kind of coming into 14, 15 was just had a lot of like teenage anxieties around sex, you know, like really? that, that kind of time. Yeah. Okay. And just, just like not knowing where to get started with it all, to, to be completely frank. And then... Okay that led found drinking and then it was like oh this is a you know i can just get really drunk and people find that funny and like you know that's a that's a kind of easy way to to get out of having to worry about all this other stuff how Uh, interesting so that was really the next decade from i'm actually four years three and a half years sober now but no one has ever told me that in their entire lives yeah you're the first person that's ever told me that interesting thank you for being vulnerable and telling me that's really fascinating why do you think there was such a focus on sex and getting started and i guess a fear around it yeah good question i, I didn't think it would go this direction so quickly but uh no, therapy session number it, two <laughs> um it's a good question i just think i was a bit kind of uh yeah i guess i didn't really like have a kind of example of what to do there you know okay. it isn't just like how to start yeah flirting relationships all of that kind of thing it was also very small at that point and like you know, kind of late going through puberty, all that kind of thing. Were you so an only think, child? No, no, I have two sisters, so no no like older brother or anything like that. Obviously, a lot of people don't have older brothers. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I think also came from, like, quite a reserved British family. My parents are, you know, very kind and open, but fairly reserved also. Yeah. Um, and so I think these kind of things just weren't talked about. And so I, I just didn't really know where to, to start with it. Uh, and so, what yeah, about your then, peers? Did you have a conversation around that? Never. Yeah, you just you just don't talk about these things, you know. If anything, you kind of you were always like joking and and kind of trying to um, inject bravado, you know. So so you're, you're trying to talk a big game, mm. and then on the inside, I'm like, I actually have no idea. <laughs> oh my god, that's so interesting. Yeah. I guess I came from a similar. I've never talked about this. I feel like hopefully my mum and dad aren't watching, <laughs> but. Um, I came from, an, I'm an Indian girl, come from an Indian family, and it was, obviously I've never spoken about sex with my family, even to this day. The fact yeah. that I'm saying this right now, they'll be, I will die if I hear them watching this. This is a good thing about living out, because sometimes when I talk about things on my podcast, I would hear my dad downstairs listening, <laughs> and I would be sitting in my room like, please stop watching, please don't watch the rest of it. But, you know, it, it isn't really talked about. Yeah, I don't really. I actually can't really reflect and think about when it was first spoken about with me. The good thing is, is my mum has a really open relationship with me, and so I guess when I got older, and I guess in school when we started talking about it, she asked me, "Oh, are you learning about this in school?" And I think I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't know," like very shy about it. But it is talked about a lot with your friends, and I think that's the difference between girls and boys. I guess as a stereotype and being very, very stereotypical here. 
girls generally do speak openly about their feelings, all the things that they're going through, things that they're nervous around, things that they're scared around. And perhaps boys don't have that same level of openness. Yeah, in groups. I, I think what's completely missing from, again, who knows what it's like these days, but certainly when I was growing up, uh, there's just no like vulnerability between guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're always kind of, you, you just don't talk about these kind of things. Yeah. And, and I think you, you almost, and then so if there is something you're unsure about, you feel bad about, then it feels like it's just you, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you talk to people years later and then, oh my God, I was going through that as well. So I think it's really important for us to be bringing that to light but I also think it really depends on families Mm. and so it's interesting as I've grown up in life I've met several men who are not open and I found it really strange because my dad is really open very emotional will talk about his feelings Uh, my dad's brother is like that my brother is quite closed in that sense of not telling everyone everything about his life but he's very open with emotions I've seen him cry multiple times I've seen every man in my my family cry loads and there's no shame to it. And I've almost grown up with thinking men crying is normal too, just how women crying mm. is normal, because there's never been that kind of stigma attached to it. But weirdly, I think when you see um, your friends being open, when you see your family being open, it allows you to be more open. And one of my friends the other day said that he met his friends and he openly said, I've been going to therapy. And suddenly his other two friends said, oh yeah, by the way, I've been going to therapy too. And how amazing, because he was vulnerable and open, and those two people that were sitting there then felt they could be vulnerable and open. But prior to that, no one mentioned that they were getting therapy. And it just takes one person to open up and say, hey, I'm going through this. I guarantee you the other person will be going through something similar or be able to relate in some way. 100%. Yeah, it's exactly what happened around this. So I think probably... Three years ago, this is something called psychosexual therapy, which is around sex and relationships, which is when I kind of got to grips with all of this because I'd always been super avoidant in relationships, obviously okay. in hindsight, but I'd get into a relationship and I would just feel like deeply, deeply claustrophobic. And after two months, I would I would kind of cut and run at every okay. time. Yeah. And uh, just kind of went undiagnosed, I guess, for, for years. And then about three years ago, I, I was listening to a podcast with a psychosexual therapist, never heard of that before. Uh, I was thought that's probably something I need to do. So mm. went had a few sessions. All of this kind of came out, uh, and then sharing that just just like talking openly like we are now with friends about that. Uh, and it was the kind of first time I'd spoken to them about it. And same thing happened. Like they, they were then, oh my god, yeah, actually, like I've kind of yeah. been thinking all these things, or, or I find this, and, and so it's yeah, it's been super empower, empowering to get it out and you know just just kind of yeah, I, I guess feels like you're not leaving anything behind like some whenever you feel like there's something you can't talk about that just like eats away inside you so it feels very empowering just to be able to to get everything on the table i love how you just took that personal responsibility to think you know this is something that i've reflected on it's impacted me i'm going to do something about it but what i also love from this is all those girls probably think you're the worst person ever you know after (laughs) two months and actually do you know what i mean you're the sweetest person so (laughs) it's interesting though because our perception of the people we were just talking about this perception is reality so let's say you were known as this guy i'm just i'm putting you out as this playboy who just dated all the women (laughs) and then just left after two months but let's say you were someone who was battling with this yeah. and you dated multiple girls and after two months you abandoned the relationship people's perception of you would be he is you know a playboy he doesn't you know want to be with me you know there's something wrong with me but actually they don't know that you're going through something yeah that's it and actually a bit of a controversial opinion but i think you can extrapolate that to most behavior whereas like so true you know if someone is a 
behaves badly and does terrible things it's easy to judge them but you, you mm. just don't know what's got them there you know you don't know what like everything stems from you know something childhood it's true childhood it's... trauma and, and so i think fine to judge people's actions but to judge the person themselves mm. i think it's hard because you don't know what people have gone through and, and so what's true. got them there so tell me about that you went through this kind of journey of understanding yourself at university Yes, yeah, so, no, this was all... Oh, at afterwards, sorry. Was, uh, you know, Party. blissfully oblivious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, growing up, after university, got a job at a startup, mm-hmm. applied to a whole bunch of grad schemes, didn't get on any of them, and then a friend of mine was like, why don't you go work at a startup for a year and reapply in a year? So that's a good idea. Okay. Applied to 20. One of them offered me a job, so I went to work there. It was a company called Nobly POS, and it was iPad Till Systems. Oh, wow. Quite niche, but uh, great experience. Over the next three years, we like grew to 70 people, launched in the US and Australia. And actually, I was the second employee on the commercial side. And the first employee is my now co-founder, Ben. So that's, that's no where way. we were. And I think during that experience, like I was still going out a lot. Uh, you know, kind of, I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. And I think a lot of that kind of drinking behavior is people mm. pleasing, just like going along with um, yeah, what everyone else wants to do. Uh, and I think it just became a bigger and bigger conflict because I was really not studious at, at school or university. But at the startup, for the first time, I was actually engaging with something. Wasn't particularly good at the various jobs I was doing there, but yeah. uh, was was I think did you know was a fit for like the startup environment. You know, like got on well with everyone, said the something smart occasionally, and so just started to. Then it became a bigger and bigger conflict. I'd like see a big night in my calendar, and I'd be like. I don't know if I want to do that. It's going to like wipe out the next three or yeah. four days. Um, but I didn't really know what to do about it. And it all came a bit to a head in 2019. So I was turning 25, uh, was in one of these very short relationships and uh, was, was just a bit kind of, I think started to lose my joy for life. Like I just, I just felt like a real kind of dissatisfaction okay. and started to get into meditation around that time. Something called transcendental meditation, which is, 20 minutes twice a day that that's really kind of stuck like glue so still doing that today but what what made you think because i'm just i'm just trying to think about it from a perspective of someone's going through a time in their life where they're partying all the time they are feeling a little bit stuck to do a 20 minute meditation is quite a big jump yeah for sure so so there was i'd I'd started with like headspace before that like 10 minutes and i'd do that for a month and then it would go away for a month Mm -hmm. and then i was like i really should try and make this meditation thing a habit yeah and uh and then i heard about transcendental meditation which is what all the kind of celebs in in hollywood do basically and it was like they're probably some of the busiest people on the planet so if if they can do it then uh, maybe this is the one and what is interesting about this is most meditation feels like quite hard work Mm. so a lot of the headspace stuff is is kind of buddhist meditation okay and that's designed for monastic living so life in a monastery so it feels like quite hard work even if you're just focusing on your breath like it feels like a chore to mm. some extent. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I think it's very worthwhile. But for all the people, for all the talk of meditation, like really not many people at all actually make it a daily habit. And I think a lot of that is because it, it is it is quite, um, there is quite a lot of friction. And transcendental meditation is designed for people not living in a monastery. Right. So it's designed to be kind of easier to make stick. So okay. rather than focusing on your breath, you're focusing on a meaningless mantra so meaningless sound like om and that lulls you into this like uh state of relaxation okay and so it's just much easier to kind of make a daily habit and so i i did a you do like a four-day course which felt a bit like a cult you have to turn up at 
this um i turned up at some unmarked door in shepherd's bush actually with uh really yeah with uh you have to bring a flower some flowers a white handkerchief and a piece of fruit okay and that's like day one of a four-day course hour and a half a day you get given your mantra and then you like come back the next three days and they give you some guidance and then you're off and out into the world and and so that really just stuck wow um, send me the number please yeah we'll do i will do <laughs> but i was still like you know the startup was also a bit uh, a bit messy behind the scenes at this stage as well it was like flying around the world to set up these offices so it was just like very busy and i think mm. because i was feeling dissatisfied with life my answer was like to get busier and i was already kind of hating my phone like i read a great book called digital minimalism by a guy called cal newport have you read that one i read it at unplugged in one day uh, yeah one okay. i stayed yeah, yeah. <laughs> great <Amazing. book. laughs> completely put me off my phone yeah exactly exactly so that was kind of in the back of my mind and then a friend of mine just just saw i was a bit out of sorts and recommended the silent retreat in the himalayas okay which was at this buddhist temple on top of a mountain so i initially kind of laughed that off i was like i can't do that you know I've what always wanted to do that what are the guys at work think all of that kind of thing and then finally thought you know you know what let's just give it a try amazing so went out there it was uh 10 days in silence it was the course was called intro to buddhism so it was like okay. half buddhist philosophy half meditation and uh yeah the be- the best thing about it is when you get that they take your phone off you and you just spend 10 days cut off from the outside world tell me the routine what did you do every day because this is my own selfish yeah, yeah, yeah want but if anyone else wants to know <laughs> so it, it's not as intense that there's something called a vipassana which i actually did did one of those in march yeah. which is super intense that's like 10 hours a day meditating this is less intense so still you like wake up at six mm-hmm. then you go and meditate for 45 minutes uh, then come back for some breakfast then you've got like two hours of buddhist teaching in the morning oh lovely then another meditation session and then kind of more teaching, more meditation. So you're doing about four or five hours of each a day, four or five hours of meditation and four or five hours of Buddhist teaching. And the last two days are just intense meditation. So you probably do seven or eight hours. You're joking. And that's crazy. Honestly, I came out of that just so full of like, sounds cheesy, but like joy and compassion. I remember being in a hotel room in Delhi on the way back, just, just kind of spend one night there. And just like, just like beaming, just so like happy. It was crazy. But That is wild. Yeah. Buddhist meditation for eight hours and then being in Delhi, the busiest place <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. whole world. Hold on. How, first of all, how was the food? Uh, food was amazing. You don't yeah. have to fast or anything, do you? Uh, you, I think I, w- not not this one. I wasn't oh, eating God. breakfast, so you, you, you can't you have, have the option to. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you have the option to, yeah. Interesting. And when you're learning all these Buddhist teachings, can you ask questions or no? Uh, you can actually ask questions during the Buddhist teaching part, yeah. Is it one-on-one? No, no, you're in a room of 80 people, 8-0. But you can talk to the teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. You just can't talk to each other. Exactly, yeah. Did you find it difficult in the first few days? Because I really wanted to do this very weirdly when I was like 21. Oh, really? Very weirdly. I've always kind of been a little bit, I guess, hippie, I would say. <laughs> when I've been younger, I've always wanted to do do things like this. But I remember thinking I want to do it. And someone said the first six hours of torture because yeah. you are in your mind. Yeah, yeah, and you can't talk to anyone, and you're just thinking in your thoughts, and so you're crying and you're like laughing, and then you're hysterical, and it's very confusing. But that person did go by themselves into this retreat, and it was like boxed off. But yeah. how how was it, how was it at first? Yes, I mean, th- I look back at it just completely positively, but I remember it was a, a roller coaster. So you do yeah. go through the full range of emotions. I think um, I was like really ready for it. You know, like I think people come to it from different angles, and for I was sure. just like a bit done with with life at that stage so i was really kind of so 
the first couple of days it was actually just like a real joy like the silence was a complete joy throughout and you actually form very close connections with people just through the eye contact you're not supposed to but obviously obviously there is a bit of that and so it's yeah it's very intense and uh the yeah but, but you do go through like you're just like questioning yourself a lot like what, what am i doing at a buddhist retreat and all that kind of thing so over the over the time like there's lots of peaks and, and troughs i think because of the experience because you're spending so much time meditating and you know reflecting on these things like it brings up a lot of stuff you know mm. and interesting you said about the eyes i was speaking to someone the other day who their grandchild i think is two or three and they've been through a cancer which means that they lost oh, their hearing oh my gosh but that she said that their siblings connect with him through their eyes. Oh, really? wow. And she said, we will understand what he's saying through the eyes. So whilst the brother has learned sign language, none of the family know what it means, have, have learned it yet, because it's like their extended family. But they can all understand what he's saying through his eyes. Really? And he's four or three, three or four or something, which is crazy. Yeah. So really interesting that you went through that. I'm really keen to understand a bit more about that, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> what happened when you came out of it? So, yeah, came out buzzing. I actually didn't intend to quit my job. I, I mean, spoiler, I, I ended up quitting a week <laughs> later, But I had to had to come straight back for like a you know, leadership quarterly planning meeting at this startup. Mm-hmm. At this point, we were, we were trying to raise a 10 million Series A. We were losing about £300,000 a month. Wow. So it all felt very unsustainable and had this planning meeting. And two days into that, my, my boss got the call from an investor to, to say... Yeah, not happening the last investor so we weren't going to get the funding round so that night he closed the u.s office closed the australian office so fired half the company wow um, and i was running growth at the time running marketing basically and we paused our marketing spend so i just had a week kind of waiting while he went back and forth with investors and then i went for a drink with ben who's my now co-founder he'd left the startup at this point but we'd stayed friends okay uh, and I told him about this retreat, and he's Ben's a very skeptical guy, and you know he's not the kind of guy you'd find a sign up retreat anytime soon. Uh, and we spoke about how there's a lot of stigma around retreats and meditation, and there for is. a lot of people, not only is the taking the time out and the cost of, of flying to northern India, uh, but also just psychologically, it's not accessible. Like even when I, my first reaction to it was, oh, I can't do that. I can't go to a Buddhist retreat. Don't be ridiculous. Um, so it's just really not accessible to people. And we'd heard about the kind of cabin space that was quite a, a budding, there still is quite a, a budding global cabin scene of just lots of similar concepts, maybe without the digital detox, but, but you know, cabins in mm. nature, basically. Um, so we're aware of that business model and obviously had been thinking a lot about digital detoxing and just spent 10 days off my phone. So we thought, you know, what if you combine the two and, you know, digital detoxes are, are cabins, which of course is where mm. Unplugged was born. And it didn't take long. I then probably spent, I think that was a, maybe a Thursday, the Friday evening, I spent three hours like Googling cabins, just figuring out like how could we actually just buy a cabin? And, yeah. And, and, uh, and I was like, okay, this seems doable. And so I quit on Monday and, and that was it. And then, yeah, this was end towards the end of 2019. Oh my gosh. And when did you launch? 2020? Yeah, we so we launched today, three years ago, which is uh, July 2020. Because Super quick. So we launched, yeah, we launched, we ordered our first cabin in February 2020. And March was the start of the pandemic. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. Turned out to be perfect timing. But at the time, it was like, oh, my God. this. Why was it perfect timing? Well, because it meant that... So we used a Swedish company who weren't as bothered about lockdowns. They were just kind of building the building the, um, the cabin during the, the first lockdown. Okay. And it meant that by the time we launched in July 2020, everyone had just spent, like, months 
in their flats in London basically and so it was absolutely dying for this kind of thing so it turned out to be to be perfect the next year was like the summer of staycations so oh yeah of course yeah yeah so we, we, we really benefited from a bit of a tailwind so digital detoxing everyone is raging about it <laughs> raging raving raving about it tell me a little bit more about digital detoxing why is it so important what's the benefit anything yeah for sure so i mean i guess what we mean in this context is just taking a break from technology so mm -hmm. phones so when you come and stay at one of our cabins as you know lock your phones in a box mm -hmm. give you a map a nokia and you spend three nights very uh, particular that it's three nights without your phone and the reason behind that is it takes about a day for the mind to settle down mm. so the first day you're actually feeling a bit more anxious but then you access this kind of state of calm that you know you don't didn't almost didn't know you have and so we want to we want to give you enough time so you can then really experience that and, and and be with that um because the key is that in our daily lives like most people are picking their phone up first thing in the morning straight away and then it's there all day really mm -hmm. and you know they say that when you check your phone it takes 15 minutes to like regain your attention so some people really just are never there all day because all day just checking your phone and so what that means is we're just living in this like constant state of distraction and overstimulation and we've normalized it so mm -hmm. i think we maybe don't think that's a problem but then when you go and do this when you go and spend three days offline or 10 days offline or whatever it is um and your mind starts to settle down and you access the state of calm mm. but that is how humans are, are built to operate you know we're built to be in in that mode not in this kind of constant state of overstimulation with heightened you know, anxiety and you know getting stressed by the kind of smallest inconvenience mm -hmm. so i think it's it's only when you take it away that you realize what we've lost and what we found we spoke a, a bit about this uh, before recording but what doesn't happen in three days is you don't change your habits right no. it's not like you go and stay for three days and then you, know, you never touch your phone again but what it does do is it changes your perception i think that's the really important thing because a lot of people who come and do this in the last probably in the last decade haven't spent you know more than a few minutes off their phone or a few hours uh, and so Absolutely. to actually go and spend three days off your phone i think really opens your eyes to what you're missing but but also like i think the big realization is that you can go and do this you know like you think you, you think going can. in you think going in that like you know the whole world's going to miss you and you know the world's going to fall apart like, that's always really i'm always surprised whenever i do this to when i turn my phone on like no one's not one's cared. No one's even noticed, you know. Uh, so I think that is a big realization. And so what we're trying to do is just help move the momentum in another direction. Because mm -hmm. once you've done this, and once you've seen what happens when you spend that time offline, and you know, the sense of calm that mm -hmm. you access, then you know people then crave that. And so mm -hmm. if you do it once, then you're going to want to do it another time. And then once you've done that, you, you just start to build the habit in a more positive direction. For sure. And then you start to you know, leave your phone out of the bedroom and leave it at home when you go to the shops. Mm. So it's really just how do we get people, you know, the change doesn't happen overnight, but how do we just start to, to move you in a different direction? Whilst we're talking around the benefits of fasting and digital detoxing, I actually wanted to touch upon how important nutrition is for our mental health. If you're struggling with low mood and anxiety or just feeling really stressed one of the things that has really helped me is to make sure I'm looking after myself. And one of the ways I do that is by taking form nutrition. A small low hanging fruit is taking care of yourself. And that's following basic things like managing your diet and knowing exactly what you're putting into your body. 
and Form Nutrition has been a lifesaver for me. With nootropics and vegan protein powders, I know I can rely on Form to deliver vegan, clean, and really high quality ingredients to make sure that I know what I'm putting into my body every single week. Form has actually been rated one of the best protein powders. And as I'm vegetarian, it's really difficult for me to get protein into my diet every single day. I'm running around between the studio and from meetings, and it's so simple to make a protein shake with their blender. Whilst we're told protein is only helpful if you go to the gym to help build your muscles and for recovery, which it is by the way, what we don't realize is having protein in your diet can really help with your hair, your skin and your nails, but more importantly, with your overall mood. Because Form are sponsoring this podcast, they've given all of you 10% off all of their products with the code AMM10. Please, please, please tag me in your favorite flavors. I promise you this product will be something that you love and it will be something that will help you manage your overall health and your wellness. Back to the podcast. How you said you were ready to go to this silent retreat in the Himalayas is exactly how I felt about Unplugged. So I had had a really, really busy year last year. I had done so many things and I just quit my job and I felt like I was on this rat race. And I was trying to, you know, I remember I was trying to write a book, which I didn't want to do in the end. I had my TED talk. I did a season in Mumbai. I had my cousin's wedding. And I felt when I came back from India was when I had a bit of time to relax, except the last six months had been so busy that I just felt I couldn't. And I felt really guilty. And I felt, you know, I have to keep doing more and more and more. And weirdly, on the day that Rebecca, who is in your team, messaged me, <laughs> my boyfriend that morning said, we should go to Unplugged. Wow. And he said, I'm going to book it for us. And that day, Rebecca messaged me and said, hey, Shivani, <laughs> would you like to come and stay? Amazing. And I remember so clearly being really worried about when we could go. Because the idea to take three days out of your diary and not be on your phone and not have all emails and not to do any meetings is scary. Now, at that point, like I said, I didn't have any podcast booked. I'd done so many in Mumbai that I was like, I'm ready. I want to go. And my boyfriend was thinking, okay, I need to move things around. It's really not that difficult, but the idea of it is overwhelming. And so I remember her saying, okay, when would you like to go? And her expecting me to say, you know, like two or three months time. And I was like, next week, <laughs> what do you have next week? And she was like, oh, I love a last minute today. And I was like, I need to go now. Like I'm desperate to go. And I remember when we got there, I just flung my phone into that phone box. I didn't even, we didn't even lock it. We, I didn't even need to lock it. Yeah. Because I was just so ready to unplug from the world. I was so sick of looking at my phone. I was so sick of uploading on TikTok. I was so done with all these algorithms that I just thought I just need to put it away. And I remember saying on the way to my boyfriend, I actually cut this bit out of my vlog. I said, I'm going to be on my laptop and I'm going to do my editing. And he said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to open my laptop. We both took our laptops with us, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I'm going to do my editing. No internet. Um, by the way, there is internet when you get there. You know, I, I, we were expecting <laughs> to walk in and to everything to be warped. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. You, it's, you know, you do have it if you want to. But we, um, I didn't look at my laptop. I didn't even touch it. I didn't open my phone. Nothing for three days. And what it really showed me is I have so much time. Yeah. So much time in the mornings, so much time in the evenings where I'm not countlessly scrolling. Now, the difficult part is I think we all lie to ourselves. And I certainly lie to myself. Oh, I look at Instagram for work. Oh, I need it for inspiration. Oh, I need to find the trending sound. What that does, though, is allow me to scroll for multiple hours and my day's gone. Yeah. 
Now, one thing I really found difficult was being on the toilet and not scrolling on Instagram, <laughs> which is really strange to me to admit, but I did find that the hardest I part that one because I'm always on my phone. And so I thought when I was on the toilet, I was like, this is weird. What? A, <laughs> and I think I have this obsession of always needing to do something. Yeah. I time block my day so much that when I'm on the train here, I'm uploading my TikToks. When I'm on the train, usually I'll do my shorts. When I'm walking, I'll be writing a caption. There's always something that I feel like I have to be doing. And when I was there, like I said, I read Digital Minimalism. And one thing that really opened my eyes in that was one, Instagram and TikTok and all these platforms are like a slot machine and we are addicts and we are gambling every single day and we are trying to find that, like, you know, that winning streak or sound, whatever it is. And two is we don't always need to be doing everything with our time. You know, we don't need to be doing something at every point of the day. You can go for a walk without listening to a podcast. You know, sure. you can go for a walk without listening to an audiobook. You can go for a walk without calling someone. You can just be and be present and absorb all the sounds and the nature and the, and the place that you're in. And I never do that. Yeah, and I think that's so important as well. There's there's two modes of thinking, something called focus thinking mm-hmm. and something called diffuse thinking. And focus thinking is like a spotlight. So, you know, you're working on something, you're working on an Instagram caption and your 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 mind is focused on that. And that is how we do most of our work during the day. Obviously, we're getting pulled into various things. But there's something called diffuse thinking, which is basically when the mind wanders. Mm. Like that is when the real kind of powerful creativity happens, so which is why if you go for a walk without your phone, even in the shower, it's when you're like kind of, gently engaging the mind mm-hmm. but but not really that it starts to form these kind of all these problems that you didn't even know you were thinking about just just to kind of tick you away in the back of the mind uh and so that is actually a, a really powerful tool that we all have that, that we're just not using i think considering so much of the work today is knowledge work mm-hmm. uh is you know thinking and, and coming up with ideas we spend so little time thinking like mo- most people spend zero time just sitting and thinking or walking and thinking there's this like productivity porn as you said and i've been through it as well of like oh my god i need to like get in another podcast while i'm walking and and then i i really went through a phase of just like listening to podcasts whenever i was going anywhere and then i was Mm -hmm. like i just need to you know i just just need to spend some time with my thoughts and and so now like you know nothing i like more than just going for a stroll and yeah just, just letting the mind wander. When I've walked, when I've run, is when I thought of all my ideas. That's where millennial mind yeah. came from when I was on a run. Oh, really amazing. And so that really stood out to me because I'm someone who, even in the bath, will be listening to a talk. The moment I wake up, <laughs> it's a talk. The moment I go to sleep, is a talk. In the bath, in the shower, everything is. Oh, how can I maximize my my productivity? And that book really made me realize. First of all, I read, read one book in one day. Yeah. which was crazy because I had so much time. I wasn't reading like a lunatic and I was making notes. I have a notepad of all the notes that I made. And I just realized with with no distraction how much I can achieve. Yeah, You know, with it, you don't think your phone distracts you. Whether you leave it in another room, whether you leave it upstairs, you will always be thinking that you have access, you have access to it. And that's what I found as well. Whenever I've left my phone in another room, I'm like, I just need to check one thing. Yeah, yeah. I just need to airdrop myself one thing. So let me just quickly go and get it. And then I've got it. And then it goes into the cycle. That really made me realize that we are all so addicted. And when I left, one of the things that I used to do when people would come around, I leave my phone upstairs. And so I'd be really spending my time with everyone. I'm not going to lie. That's all changed now. And after this conversation, I know that's going to change back. <laughs> I'm going to be reminded it's just really easy to get back into that routine. And I think one of the things I want to do every year is make sure I come to Unplugged. Just to remind myself, sure, I think yeah. what, you're, what you said as well is around, you think it's going to be really hard. I really didn't find it hard. And I'm on my phone 24-7. 
And, I, and for me, I didn't find it hard. And the other thing is, is, you know, all of these apps, if you're worried about posting content, if you're worried about, you know, making sure you're keeping up with things, you can schedule everything now. There is really no need to worry and panic. And at the end of the day, I remember in, at the start of the year, I didn't post for a week. Nothing happened. <laughs> like, really, honestly, yeah. nothing happens. We're, like, fed into this, you know, idea of you have to post every day. And if you don't post every day, you're going to, you know, be disqualified and Instagram's going to hate you. It doesn't happen like that, you know? And I think we've got this fear that we always have to be on our phones. And in true fact, we really need to be spending more time off them. 100%. And I think a couple of interesting things you said. One is that kind of, like feeling like scrolling through Instagram is productive. And it's I think not. I think we all have this where we feel like if we're like compulsively checking our emails or scrolling through a news feed that we're like doing work. And mm. it's such a waste of time. And it's, you know, one good thing might come from it every few hours, but yeah. we're spending hours and hours and hours every day doing that. And I think that is what fills our days. Like if we, we're like, oh my God, I was so busy this week. How much of it was, was that, right? Like b between all the gaps. So and uh, the other interesting thing on the just, just, when you said putting the phones upstairs, there's some amazing research that even having a phone switched off on the table next to us, one, reduces your IQ. So we're actually less intelligent if our phones are there because your IQ is, you know, your almost your mental performance. Right. And what your phone is doing, just because it's there, because, it's yeah, it just, it just grabs our attention. Not only that, but it also reduces the empathy between two people. So if we had a phone on this table, then we would have less empathy for each other. And that is switched off. So you can imagine, you know, if it's, buzzing Based notifications up. or you're, you're scrolling through something you know like how often you're in conversation and you know either we or, or the person we're talking to is oh, i just need to check this thing and it's know? so rude and uh, yeah and the, the the quality of conversation just instantly goes it makes me feel really uncomfortable but i know i've also done that with people sure. as well yeah i know that also if i'm not interested in someone and they're trying to talk to me i will use my phone as a distraction it's <laughs> really terrible but i've realized that actually for a lot of people it's a form of escapism for sure yeah when you go into your phone and you're unhappy and you look at you know food videos that might make you happy or puppy videos that might make you happy or scrolling on TikTok, it really does give you a boost of dopamine. It really is a form of escapism. And sometimes, you know, when you're feeling that you are really unhappy about something and you go into your phone, for that moment, it can make you momentarily really happy. And then when you come back out, there's been studies that's proven that's made you feel even worse about life because for sure. that moment, you felt that happiness, but it's not real. For sure, yeah, and I think it, it's such a negative cycle where, when it's when we're kind of at our busiest and most stressed, then your willpower is lower, and so you're reaching for your phone. You're, you're trying to get these kind of instant hits, mm. uh, and that in turn makes us feel busier again because you know we're, we're losing all this time, losing all this attention. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think you know it's very easy just to be stuck in that. Like you know mm. how how often I've been there, I'm sure you've been there, and you know I'm sure we we know many people who have where it's just, oh, I'm just really busy at the moment, you know? And like, there's no escape from that. There's like, it feels like, you know, the, the next few months are just gonna be busy and like, there's nothing we can do about it. And we're just gonna be stressed out for the next few mm -hmm. months. And I think that like, we don't realize that you can just go. I saw I saw a friend uh, last summer, it was like June and he, uh, I, I, was, I was like a bit not present during the conversation. And he's like, okay. dude, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, to be honest, I'm just a bit like worn out, you know, with, with everything. And he's like, dude, you need a holiday. And I was kind of like what you said to Rebecca. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go in a couple of months. He's like, dude, you need a holiday now. Now, he's like, right go this moment. tomorrow. Uh, and so I went. I went the next day to a shepherd's hut, not one of ours, but a shepherd's hut in the Peak District for, for five nights. Just went with some books and just walked and read for five nights. And the first 
two or three days. I was, I was like physically ill, I was getting like headaches and all that kind of stuff. Really? And just, again, it was just like built up kind of tension uh, that I, I didn't know was in there. And uh, and then just, just felt this like the weight come off. And, you know, everything was like going objectively well at the time, but I was just mm-hmm. like just kind of running with this 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 deep tension and and yeah i mean embarrassed to admit that because of course the whole business yeah. is around is around switching off mm. it's so easy to fall into that that trap i so guess true. but we're all work in progress and actually something i wanted to share is when i went it made me realize just how zoomed in i was on my life so i always talk around this concept called the balcony and the dance floor i don't know if you've heard about it no, i haven't no. When I was doing management consulting, they told us around this principle that you should be in balance between being on the balcony and being on the dance floor. Now, when you're on a dance floor, you can see everyone who's around you. You can hear the conversation. You can see who's got a drink in their hand. You're really engrossed with everyone, right? And that is how you should be some of the time. You should be in the detail. And then they're zooming out looking on the ba- on the balcony where you see everything objectively. Okay. And you can't hear everything, but you can see everything from a bird's eye approach. Now in business, you should be kind of balancing between the two. And I believe it to be present in, in our lives too. So when I'm, running my, when, when I'm running my business, I'm thinking about all the logistics because I'm one person. But then I also need to have that strategy in place and be looking at things objectively. Now at the time, I remember... I was really focused on doing this trailer for Mumbai's Millennial Mind. Yeah. I just come back from Mumbai. I was waiting on the footage for the for the hotel to send it to me. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I need to go through every single episode. And I have to and I recorded 16 episodes, by the way. I then have to cut out a specific part. But that's downloading 16 episodes. Bear in mind there's four four cameras, aligning them. <laughs> 4K. Each episode will take like three hours to download. Then, so all of that work was going to take me like a week just to get the files. And then how was I going to actually export all the files onto Final Cut Pro? My laptop isn't big enough. I was really stressed out about how to do this trailer. When I was at Unplugged, and by the way, <laughs> I'd planned to do this, uh, do this trailer at Unplugged. Yeah, yeah. When I was there, I remember on the first day, so well that we went for this walk. We went for a five-hour walk. And I, I don't know if I shared this on this podcast, but I shared it with you before. We got lost. Yeah. And uh, we were we were out, and we came back at six o'clock in the evening. Then we made a lovely dinner, and then you know, like I cheated, I said, and we watched a movie on the laptop. No internet, by the way. We downloaded <laughs> it. We downloaded it before. We did not search anything. We downloaded it before. And um, I remember the next morning, I woke up and thinking, "Oh my god, I didn't do anything with my day." So basically, we said we're going to go for a short walk today. I went and had tea and scones, so we're going to come back and work all afternoon. On the walk on the way back, I thought, "Why do I have to do a trailer for Mumbai's Millennial Mind?" Everyone knows I've done it. Why do I have to do a trailer? Why do I have to make sure that I do this whole thing for what? And then I thought, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I don't have to do it. Is it worth me spending a week and going through all the stress for a one minute video? No, it's not. I'm not going to do it. And in that moment, I felt free. And guess what? I then didn't have to do any work urgently. And that's (laughs) when I read Digital Minimalism. And I spent the whole afternoon because it was raining that day in the cabin. It was honestly delightful we had tea we had coffee we had biscuits i remember it so well we then played scrabble which i haven't played for a very long time i really didn't know if like you know certain words were even a word but it was just really understanding that you know i'm in this rat race of thinking this has to be done because i've done a trailer for season two i did a trailer for season three i've done a trailer for you know this so i have to do a trailer well actually no i don't because the trailer is going to take me so much time and so much work. Can I better use my time and energy? And yes, I can. And so just being in a different place where you don't have to do everything by this routine you've been doing it really allowed me to think differently. That sounds so silly and like a really small example. 
But it's just around how we are all kind of doing things in the same way we've always done them. And it's just we're following the same path that we've always done because we think it's the right thing to do. 100%. Yeah, I've actually, that that brings up for me, one of the things I'm trying to get better at and hopefully getting a bit better at is, is like not replying to stuff or saying no to stuff because I'm, again, always been a bit of a people pleaser. Yeah. So when, you know, I get an email from someone I like, kind of know and they're like asking for something or like suggesting something, uh, that could be could be fun. Yeah. Uh, and that really weighs on me through the week. You know, they just kind of add up in the inbox. And something I've got, um, started doing recently if it gets to the end of the week and it's it's not something I've replied to I'll just archive it and I'm like you know it's, it's probably not not the big thing and that's very liberating you know, so sorry <laughs> so to anyone nice. listening who hasn't He's heard that you. but, but the, the thing is that what you also realise is like they don't care in my mind I'm yeah. like oh my god you know they're waiting for the reply from me yeah uh, but then they really don't care you know they, yeah. probably, they probably don't even remember they sent the email I think about any emails that I'd sent that I haven't heard back on not even thinking about it. I'm thinking about the, the people who have emailed me. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of our suffering there, and it is definitely something that brings up some suffering for me as a, a people pleaser, uh, is self-inflicted. And mm. like, you know, we just feel like our emails are our to-do list. They and, definitely are, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think one of my insights from working at this startup was the last year I was running growth. I wasn't a very good head of growth, obviously, <laughs> because we <laughs> capitulated as a company. But uh, I look back at, and I was like really busy that year, you know, and I look back and I reckon 95% of what I did was a complete waste of time. You know, it didn't move the needle at all. Love and that. a lot of that was like, I think insecurity around feeling like I wasn't doing a good job, which I wasn't mm. like. And so I, I kind of compensated by just being more busy, you know, and I think that happens to all of us to, to some extent all of the time where if we're not feeling good about something, we'll just like get busy with things. So true. And so much of it, you could just strip away. I feel like I do toss sometimes because I feel that if I don't do three billion things in a day, I failed. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the other day, I remember saying to someone, I was saying, speaking to a friend, I just, I'm just so exhausted. Every day, I'm, I wake up, I'm exhausted. I go to sleep, I'm exhausted, and I don't know what to do. And they were like, you know, at seven o'clock, you just need to put your laptop away. And I said, I could never do that. <laughs> I could never do that. And then I thought, you know, in the day, there's probably times where I'm wasting because I think, well, I'm going to work till eleven o'clock anyway. And now, you know, the Whoop has been really good for me as well because it helps me monitor my sleep. And so I check it every day. And, I, and every day it's like low recovery, low sleep. Yeah, yeah. You're not primed for optimal performance. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this is just so <laughs> depressing. But now I've set myself that at 7.30, that's it, I'm done. Amazing. I, I'm done. There's there, there's nothing I'm going to look at. I might schedule a TikTok or whatever yeah. and people will think I'm online, but I, I am actually done. It can't happen every single day. Yesterday I was in the studio and here until 9.30. And then I didn't sleep till about 12.30 because my brain was so simulated. That is a one-off. It's not going to happen all the time. But I'm going to stop trying to think that I can work till 10.30 every single day because I'm actually not being productive. For sure. You know, when we think the busier we are, like you said, the more productive we are, and, and that's not true. Mental health is uh, something I talk about a lot in this podcast, and we've touched upon your journey with it. I think that a lot of people right now are struggling because they are addicted and one, they maybe don't know that they're addicted to their digital life, but two, it might seem like a big jump to come to a cabin for three days. It might seem a bit overwhelming. What's some of the things that you've learned in your personal experience that have helped you to kind of get to that stage where you don't think it's such a big deal to kind of leave for three days without a phone? Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, again, as you said, it sounds very scary, but then, you know... It's not, by the way, guys, do it right now. Exactly, exactly. So, (laughs) So I think, you know, like... Again, we, we just feel like we're on this kind of treadmill and we can all step off at any time. Yeah. And, you know, th- there is obviously serious mental health issues that, mm. that people are dealing with, um, depression, anxiety, and you know, that's not going to disappear in three days. Mm. But, 
you, you know there's so much to be said for just giving yourself some headspace i think one of the really interesting things we actually teamed up with a couple of universities who did some research on people staying in our cabins um a couple of summers ago now and one of their big findings was that um much or, or you know a lot of the one really interesting benefit from a digital detox is that you know it, it's with that space that you then understand what changes you need to make in your life because like, we all know what we need to be doing more of like be less busy yeah. exercise more sleep better you know but in on the kind of as you said rat race of life like it's very hard to actually make those changes so by just taking the time off it just gives you space like every time i do one every single time i'm like i am too busy right now yeah. why am i doing all this shit next week and just like cancel half the things Love that. and i think so i think yeah it, it's about giving yourself the space again it's it's not gonna kind of um go away overnight but we again if you're feeling bad like you can often kind of just throw yourself into stuff whether it's drinking social media you mm. know work like whatever it is and i think that just 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 compounds the problem mm. so so yeah you know like your analogy with the the ballroom and the balcony sometimes you just need to take a step back to the balcony yeah. you know and it might be that you realize um hey i really need to start some therapy you know mm. i really need to tell someone what i'm going through and i think that's really hard when you're in the you know, everyday throes of life yeah and so just yeah just get off the phone like that's the key i really think that one of the things that i learned is leaving your phone at home when you go for a walk yeah it is lovely it's amazing yeah very it empowering is so liberating yeah. and one of the things that i felt at unplugged i just felt very free mm. you know i always go back to this i traveled alone and i remember i was in bali and one of the best things about traveling then is you don't have internet 24 7. But I remember this moment where I was sitting on the back of a motorbike and it was raining and I have just felt so free and happy. <laughs> and I will always say that was the best time of my life where I just traveled alone and I was free. I just made friends. And I remember I never wore any makeup and I was barefoot every day. And I just felt really at peace. And I would say that when I was at Unplugged, I remember when I was reading Digital Minimalism, my boyfriend's car broke down, which is a whole saga in itself. And he was outside <laughs> sorting the car with the AA. And I remember I finished reading the book and I had uh, some music playing and I was making dinner and I just felt really happy. And I really didn't want to leave. And on the last day, I thought I'd be reaching for my phone. And I felt sick. And I thought, <laughs> I really don't want to open it. And I opened it and look, there was all this noise. None of it was really that important. And it's so interesting because I've never turned my notifications off if you... Can you believe? Yeah. My my boyfriend has his notifications off all the time. He never has WhatsApp, never has Instagram, whatever. I don't have Instagram, but I do have WhatsApp on. And my excuse is always, but someone might need me urgently. And, you know, there might be something that I need to do ASAP. And, you know, I might have a partnership deal that I have to do at this moment. And guess what? For the three days, nothing happened urgently. Yeah. No one bloody cared. And I didn't go on a weekend. Yeah. And that was my thing, by the way. I said yeah. I have to go on a weekend because I could not possibly <laughs> take three days out. And I did, and nothing happened, and it was so amazing. I want to go back in the summer as well, because we went in the winter, which was really nice because it was cozy, you know, it's raining, <laughs> and, and it's really nice. But really, I just think the main benefit of switching off is that you realize, like you said, you get that self-awareness about yourself, and how do you want to be spending your time, you know? And I think one exercise that people should do is think about your dream life and think about your dream week and start to align your goals towards that, because you do have the control. Yeah. Right. Whatever it is you want to do, we all believe that other people are controlling us. Actually, we're in charge of our own schedule, so we can choose what we want to do. Yeah, and I, that's why I love your your planner uh, because 
the it's this thing where we spend literally zero hours in a 16 hour you know waking day mm-hmm. uh kind of being intentional and, and, and like so figuring cool. out what we're going to do and actually if you spend five ten minutes in the morning just to think about it, it's like what we spoke about earlier yeah like actually there's probably only two or three things that need to happen today yeah to make it a really great day maybe one you know mm. but it's like oh my god you know i need to do all these other things and it just gets lost in the noise and so you end up not doing the big thing because you've been busy all day you know, so do, doing the kind of not important things so so yeah i think just just like carving out space for that kind of thing you know five minutes we've all got five minutes the, the days are long that's what you realize you um, talked to me about doing a 36-hour fast every Tuesday. <laughs> so, yeah, yesterday, Wednesday now, so yesterday was uh, week three. Okay. But yeah, it was, I've, I've kind of messed around with fasting a bit before, so, you know, you, 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 hear, you hear it kind of everywhere. And I think what draws me to it is that I can't believe that we are meant to, you know, be eating all the time and, like, have three meals a day because like, we haven't biologically changed much since our mm. hunter-gatherer days. And again, it's like, you know, getting off your phone initially uncomfortable, but then you do just get this kind of reset. Yeah. So I messed around a bit within lockdown. I did like a few, a couple of five day fasts, which is like five days of just water. Oh my gosh. And uh, it was it was a bit mixed results. Like I, I think I didn't quite get it right on one of them. And, and so parked it for a long time and then went to, I went to some like founders retreat a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And one of the guys there runs a company called Humanity, which is very cool. It's like a longevity app. And, I've heard uh, that. Yeah, it's, it's big. He's he's uh, he founded a d- dating app called Badu before that, so he's like a very oh, very legit okay. guy. And he was he did a talk about kind of longevity and you know because they obviously get a huge amount of data. They've got one hundred and sixty thousand users. Wow. Um, and so, so they're looking at like what's actually working for people. And he's a huge proponent of fasting. Off the back of that, started a, a kind of small group um, of people who wanted to do. A, a 36 hour fast each week and so i thought actually that is kind of nice because it's you know you know what it's going to be each week 36 hours actually isn't very hard because you know you're basically missing breakfast you're missing lunch and then afternoon you're starting to feel a bit but then it's like by the evening you 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 can know that you're eating the next morning okay whereas a few days is is quite a bit harder and you get a lot of the same benefits so Mm. when your body uh is fed it's basically feeding off glucose feeding off um, carbs and when it's not when it burns up all of that it switches to like fat burning mode which is you've probably heard of uh, you know mm-hmm. ketosis and mm-hmm. it, it's that switch and actually that kicks in a lot of you know really important cellular cleanups that's going called autophagy which is basically when your body is like okay i need to be in function because you know we haven't got any food and like we need to if you think about it if you haven't eaten for a day mm-hmm. or two then your body's like okay we need to be at our best because yeah. we need to eat so th- there are just these really important things kind of like the diffuse thinking we were talking about earlier of like when you go for a walk and your mind can wander mm-hmm. like there are these things that are just very important to our biology that we just don't let happen because right. you know be- because of the lifestyle now of just eating all day you know we're, like we're built for a world of scarcity but we're now living in a world of abundance so true it's so interesting in that because if if I was telling people I'm going to do fasting, they would be like, oh, but it's all about weight loss. You know, our whole, <laughs> our whole life is like centered around weight and what we look like. Actually, it's really important for your health. Yeah. And, and your psychology, right? Because it's, you know, also just proving to yourself that, yeah, and, and just like proving to yourself that you don't need uh, to eat all the time. You so, know? True. so again, like spending three days off your phone is like, oh, my God, you know, no one missed me. Uh, it's like, oh, wait, I wasn't actually hungry. Like, that's weird. And so then, yeah. yeah, then when when you do think you need like your fifth meal of the day, you're like, actually, maybe maybe that is just a craving. 
Last December, I did a two-day juice and soup cleanse. Amazing. It was after my cousin's wedding, and we drank a lot. <laughs> and the next day, I remember I said, I'm doing it today. I did it for two days. It was so difficult on the first day yeah. because I was very hungover. <laughs> loads of people came to my house, so there was loads of food. Oh, and I was living at home, and I was sticking to my two soups and my juices a day. The second day I woke up with the most awful headache because at that time I was drinking four to five cups of coffee a day. Yeah, yeah, wow. And the next day I remember having the worst headache. And then the third day I woke up, I didn't have to do the juice cleanse and I didn't have a coffee in the morning. Yeah. You know, and very quickly I changed my habit to having one coffee and one tea from having four coffees and I don't know, God knows how many teas. You know, and it just took two days for me to change that habit. And I'm going to do a sugar cleanse actually with press. I need to do, I'm going to do that Amazing. where it's no sugar. It's just celery juice, yeah. soup, carrot juice, ginger shots. So I'm going to do that soon with them. And it, for me, it's really about the discipline. Yeah. Because if I stop myself, then I know that I can push through with so many different things. Does that make sense? If I can do this and I can do whatever I put my mind to. So for me, it's more around like a mental thing rather than a physical thing, if that makes sense. But I might try to do a one day fast. Yeah, and I think it just brings you into the present moment as well. Mm -hmm. Because when you're like just running on autopilot the whole time, yeah, uh, then Always I think it's easy to become food. very mindless. But yeah. whatever it is, whether it's a digital detox, whether it's a fast, a juice mm -hmm. cleanse, like that just suddenly makes you think, okay, what's going on here? Like this is something a bit different and like mm. brings you into the present moment. So true. I'm always thinking about food, so that's why it's quite good for me because then I don't <laughs> that's have it. to. That's the crazy thing. The, the hardest thing about fasting is like actually you realize that you're always kind of looking forward to a meal to some extent. You're always either full or looking forward to a meal. And, and so when they're not there anymore, like the day just seems so long and you're like, oh my God, like where did the I meal? I just lay there all day <laughs> myself. It was such a pleasure to speak to you today. I feel that I've learned so much from you as a person and how disciplined you are. And, <laughs> you know, you've reminded me that I need to spend so much less time on my phone. But for anyone who's watching, I 100% recommend you go to Unplugged. I mean, I've been there and I loved it. We've spoken about it today. I just think it's so important to have that time to yourself and to really take time to be away from the noise. And like you said, understand what's important and what's not. And whilst you think you can probably go away and leave your phone in the hotel room or, you know, leave it upstairs, it really, really isn't the same. And so if you're watching this, make sure you go. <laughs> but it's been so great to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. Not at all. No, I've really, really enjoyed to be here. And, yeah, so much fun chatting. And, you know, you've got such wonderful energy. So it's, it's been really lovely. Thanks so much.